0: Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we spend a lot of time and energy in our lives looking for food and shelter. If you think about it, that's what the focus of our daily existence is. We go out to work to earn money so we can pay the mortgage and buy groceries. And the mothers can attest to the fact that so much time in life is spent on planning meals, and buying groceries, and preparing meals, and cooking meals, and cleaning up from meals, and then preparing for the next one. Food and shelter are a massive part of our life. And so we, we plan for them, and we save for them, and we try to exercise good stewardship so that we can provide them for ourselves, for our families, and for those who are in need. And that's a, that's a wise thing very nice, for instance, on this day to have shelter, to have a warm home on a freezing cold day. And this is a blessing from God. It is a godly thing to work on the question of food and shelter. The scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 8 that if we have food and shelter with that, we shall be content. And the, the word, therefore, shelter or clothing is a word which in the Greek can mean either. And that's why some translations will say food and shelter. Other translations will say food and clothing. Food and the means with which to cover ourselves, whether the clothing on our bodies or the homes around us. When we have those things, we can praise God for them, that he's provided them through our faithful labors. Now, of course, As we we work hard and as it takes up so much of our time and energy to provide and to attain food and shelter, it's always kind of nice when it comes easy. Who doesn't like the idea of free groceries for a year? That's what the people in John chapter 6 were looking at when they saw the Lord Jesus work the miracle as he created food for 5,000 men as well as many women and children. And they like that. Free food. Who doesn't like free food? Who doesn't like a free lunch? And so they figure they need this man to make their lives better, to make their lives easier. If you have your Bible open, look at John chapter 6, verse 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. We like this person who creates food out of nothing it would be a good idea to have him lead us and provide for us. Now, Jesus, of course, sees that. And in John chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Look, you're seeking me. You're seeking Jesus, which sounds like a good thing. But you're seeking me not because of the signs that I have done, the signs which testify to his divinity, to his glory, to his power, and to the truth of the word that he preached. You're looking because you ate your fill of the loaves. You're looking because your God is the stomach. You are fixated on the basic human needs of food, shelter, and clothing. And what you need to do is lift up your eyes above the horizon and see that there's something a lot more important. As important as it is to have food and shelter, it is nothing compared to the most important thing. And so there in verse 27 of our chapter, he says, you need to be looking for not for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. So from that point on, there's this discussion that happens between the Lord Jesus and those people looking for free food as they they talk about the idea of food and and provision of God and, and bread from heaven. And as the Lord Jesus teaches them, and they struggle to understand. I and mean, you look in there in verse 31, they, they refer Jesus to the years of wandering in the wilderness. They say, look, our fathers, they got free food from God for 40 years in the wilderness. That's pretty amazing if you think about it. Every morning you just wake up and there's free food. Food was kind of a flour which you could gather. You can make cakes of it or or, or loaves of some type of bread. didn't have to go out and and work to earn the money to buy. You didn't have to go plant anything. It was just there. They got free food for 40 years. They also got, in a a way, free clothing because their, their sandals and their clothing didn't wear out all that time. They didn't have to go try and make new sandals or to try and buy them somewhere. God provided food and shelter for free. For decades, imagine the savings, the groceries and the clothing, budgets. And so they say, well, look, this is what God has given us. How can you you do better than that? And the Lord Jesus says in chapter 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. what the Lord Jesus is teaching them is there's something more important than food and drink and shelter and clothing. There's something more important than the things which sustain and maintain our temporal life. And so from this point forth in chapter 6, verse 35, right to the end of the chapter to our text in, in verse 58, the Lord Jesus contrasts the bread that we're looking for and the bread that he is offering. This is the bread that came down from heaven, he says in our text, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So let's think about that for a moment. The bread that the fathers ate and died. That that was a great blessing to get that free food and that free clothing for 40 years. That was a great blessing. But so what? In the end, what did it give them? You know, God can bless us with a a big house and a big bank account and lots of resources to buy food and, and clothing and to be rich and comfortable as we all are. As we all are. Even the poorest person in the congregation is in the top few percent of the global population in terms of standard of living and wealth. We may not feel rich, all of us, but we certainly are. You know, you can have everything. You can have the greatest mansions and pantries stacked with food all over the place. But in the end, age breaks down your body. Disease breaks it down. Sickness breaks it down. And as you break down and your outer tabernacle wastes away and breaks down, you draw nearer and nearer to death. And finally, you die And return to the dust. No matter how much you have, how much food, how much clothing, how much shelter, you die. So the Lord Jesus is calling us to have some perspective about the material blessings that God gives us. They are not things which endure, they're not the main things. They're to support us as we seek the main thing, but they are not in themselves the main thing. But how quickly we make them the main thing. I'm reminded of stories in history. You can read stories of people fleeing a sinking ship, and and they're supposed to be saving their lives, but they load their pockets with gold and and precious metals, and they sink. They sink. They sink underneath the waves because they were fixated on the things of this world, the material wealth of this world. It actually literally kills them. What does it mean? What does it mean to to not look to the bread that the fathers ate and died, but to look to the bread which comes from heaven, to feed on the bread of life, to feed on the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean? Well, look at verse 35. Whoever comes to me, there in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And then look at verse 47 in our chapter. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of Of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So, feeding on the bread of heaven is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we read, as we read this chapter, and especially the part which follows what I just read about the flesh and the blood and the eating and the drinking and the living, of course, we think of the Lord's Supper, don't we? Eating flesh, drinking blood, it sounds like the Lord's Supper. And and yes, it does sound like the Lord's Supper, even though the Lord Jesus isn't talking about the Lord's Supper here. He will still institute that many, uh, many months in the future. But why does it sound like the Lord's Supper? Because it's telling us what the Lord's Supper is telling us. It's driving home what the Lord's Supper drives home, that Physical food and physical drink keeps our bodies alive, and so spiritual food keeps us alive. In the Lord's Supper, we're taught that as we take that bread and put it in our mouth, and we take that wine and we drink it, so our faith as the hand and mouth of our soul takes and feeds On Christ Himself. It's not the supper that's feeding us, it's Christ who's who's feeding us. And the supper is just making it into a picture so that we understand that fact. You know, we, we are so connected to the material world that even that blessing of the sacrament we quickly twist to mean what it doesn't mean. We reduce eternal truths to temporal comforts. The Roman Catholic Church does that by making the supper into the Savior, that the very mass itself saves you from your sin. The Roman Church teaches that even if Jesus didn't die on the cross, that's not a problem, because all you need is a mass. A mass is enough to forgive your sins. Just take the mass, and it physically operates salvation. And we look at that and we say, well, that's not biblical, and it's not. And we reject it out of hand, which we should. But brothers and sisters, we can do the same thing. We can go along the same path of of misunderstanding the Lord's Supper. How often do we not have it in our hearts and minds that we can easily miss a regular service where the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us in the Word, where the ministers of Christ Do what he told Peter to do, feed my sheep. And as the ministers of Christ feed us with the very word of God, how easily do we not say, well, I'm on holidays or I've got something else going on. But if it's a Lord's Supper Sunday, well, I've got to make an extra special effort to be there for the sacrament. And there is, of course, something very sweet and beautiful about the sacrament because the Lord Jesus knows our frame that we are only dust. He knows that we're human, we're physical, we're material. And He knows that it really helps us to see it, to chew on it, to drink it in, literally the gospel. There's nothing wrong with praising God for the sacrament, but there is something wrong with missing the point that the sacrament is telling us it's not the wine, it's not the bread. It's not the sacrament. It's not you. But it is Christ who saves. It is Christ who nourishes and who feeds you. Is that not what God has always been trying to teach us? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, where God talks about the manna in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8, 3, And he humbled you, says Moses. He let you hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what the manna was teaching. Man lives by every word which comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what the Holy Supper is teaching. Man lives by every word which comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's what the Psalms teach in Psalm 119, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth, sweeter than the most gloriously delicious sustenance of human food is the sweetness of your word. If I have to choose between the best foods and your word, your word comes out on top every time. And the scripture teaches us to long for that food, brothers and sisters. Peter says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. That is what a Christian does. That is what a Christian is. Someone who longs for the word. Someone who longs, who hungers for Christ. We need Christ. We need the word of God. And Jesus is the word of God. And Jesus comes to us in the word of God. And he nourishes our hungry and thirsty souls with himself, and all through the scriptures, and in the preaching, and in the sacraments, the Lord is reminding us over and over and over, you need Christ. More than you need food, more than you need shelter, more than you need clothing, more than you need health, more than you need life itself, you need Christ. You know, it's so easy for us to invert priorities. It's so easy for us to run after important things, necessary things. And when we've got those all nailed down, then whatever time and energy and resources are left over, that is time for the church and for faith and for the gospel and for Jesus. That's everything back to front, brothers and sisters. Now, we can... We can look at these people in John chapter 6 and say, what a a bunch of of bad people. They're running after Jesus because they're interested in free food. We would never do that. And yet, brothers and sisters, why are we seeking Jesus? Jesus says to these people, you're seeking me because you ate your fill of the loaves. Why are you seeking Jesus? Why am I seeking Jesus? What are we looking for, brothers and sisters? What are we getting out of this? You know, we get a lot out of this. We get a lot out of this following Jesus thing on this earth. There's a lot of social capital to being a member of a church, especially a reformed church with a very, very uh, large network of connections within the congregation, between the congregations, and around the world. There are lots of benefits to being in a church, in a reformed community. If you need help, if you need a job, there's this massive network here and all around the world. There are lots of benefits for this life to just being a part of a congregation like this. So you can actually, you can actually we can actually be like those people there in John chapter 6 where we focus on the external, the material, and the temporal blessings that certainly attend following the Lord Jesus Christ and being a member of his church on this earth. The Lord Jesus warns us against that in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Brothers and sisters, the question the Holy Spirit puts before me and you this morning is this. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for your greatest need, for what you really need, for what I really need? Are you hungry? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and righteousness, like truth, is not a thing, it's a person. It is Jesus Christ who is our righteousness and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for him, the living Word, the bread from heaven. Blessed are those who say, I need Jesus. I need Christ. He is my righteousness and his love is better than life itself. And when we live with that eye to heaven, brothers and sisters, then on this earth we live with a very down-to-earth and realistic attitude towards clothing and food and riches and all the other stuff that the Lord graciously gives us. We live with an attitude of contentment, an attitude of celebrating that spirit of enoughness. I'm content. I have enough, no matter what I have. not a big deal. It's not the main thing in my life. If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verses 6 and 7, just before he instructs us, the apostle instructs us that uh, we should be content with, with food and clothing, food and shelter, he says just before that, we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. And so the scripture teaches us to hold very lightly the things of this earth. We praise God for them, we use them, but they're not the main thing. They don't drive our lives. They don't drive our destiny. We hold them very, very lightly because we know that we simply cannot take them with us. Literally, you can't take it with you. You can say, well, I want to make a lot of bread. And maybe you will, but you can't take it with you. And they died, says our text. The bread the fathers ate, it was bread from God, fell down from heaven, literally. It was a great, glorious blessing that sustained them for this life. But they still died. And so this, these blessings of God of temporal provision are not where our focus should be. You can't take them with you. But you can take him with you. Stripped of all earthly possessions, you can hover on the edge of death. And when you face death, then food and drink and riches mean nothing. They can't do anything for you. But believer, you will always have Christ. Whoever feeds on the bread of heaven will live forever. Whoever believes in me, says the Lord Jesus, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever has Christ has everything. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. Nothing can separate you from God's love towards you in Christ, nothing. And the more you feed on Christ, the more eternity wells up within you. So don't wait, brother and sister. Don't wait just think about starting to live in Christ and to live for Christ in the future. Young children, teenagers, don't wait. Eternity is at every moment, just one second away. In the blink of an eye, all the things you work so hard for, all the things you value so much, all the things you prioritize can become meaningless as God can take everything from you In one stroke. So feed on Christ, on the bread of heaven. Let him be your heart's desire and the longing of your soul. Let him be the first and the last in your life. And when you feed on the bread of heaven, as you feed on him in your daily scripture readings, as you feed on him in listening to the word of God and the sermons, In your Bible studies, your family devotions as you feed on him, and you see that the less you have, the richer you are. And the more you die, the more you are alive. And so come hungry, brothers and sisters. Come hungry. Start your days hungry. What is the first thing that attracts my eye in the mornings? Do I lean over and grab my phone and check the little red numbers on my social media? Is that what I'm looking for? Do I check how my crypto has done during the night? What am I looking for? Am I hungry for Christ? Come hungry. Start your day hungry. Start your week hungry. Devour the word. And as we come to church, demand nothing else but Christ, from the man in the pulpit, from the elders, we are hungry for Christ. We want to feed on Christ, nourish our hungry and thirsty souls with the word of God himself. Preach Christ or get lost. Go away if you have no Christ to preach to us. That should be our attitude, brothers and sisters, as we come to worship. Oh Lord, give me the bread that came down from heaven. Let me feed upon him, let him nourish me and sustain me, and my soul will be satisfied with good things, my soul will be satisfied with him. Then let us feast this joyful day on Christ, the bread of heaven. Christ alone our souls will feed, he is our food and drink indeed, faith lives upon no other. Hallelujah. Amen.